0: In this episode, we're going to lift the lid on the top five mistakes we are seeing home buyers make and how you can avoid them.
1: Welcome to Your First Home Buyer Guide, the podcast for first home buyers who want to get it right.
0: I'm Megan and that was Veronica. We're both buyers agents and probably old enough to be your mums, but that's a good thing because between us, we've got over 40 years experience and we are going to share with you bucket loads of stories about avoidable mistakes. Together, we're going to make sure that you get unbiased and real information that you can rely on so you can get where you want to be without missing a step.
1: Now we've got loads of great tips for you in this episode and if you'd like more useful tools, head over to the website. HomebuyerAcademy.com.au. There you'll find free checklists that so you can download, a free mini course on how to price a property and our
0: where to buy a workshop for only $39. Priceless stuff, really. Bargain. But before we get into the interesting stuff in this week's episode, here's the boring bit, the disclaimer. You of course know that nothing in this podcast is to be taken as personal advice. We always recommend getting the advice of an expert in their field of expertise. Now we've done our very best to ensure that the content is correct at the time of recording, but things change. So check with the relevant government authority or your advisors to get the most up-to-date information.
1: Today, we're spilling the beans on what people are doing wrong in a rapidly rising market. Why are we doing this? Well, because we want to open your eyes and stop you from making these same mistakes. But before we do that, behind Megan, if you're watching the video, is a funny-looking house or a pair of funny-looking houses. I, I suspect somebody's made a mistake <laughs> if they bought these buttons. That's I don't know how they get off
0: of these. This made me laugh. Right? I mean, I do love houses, as you know. A bit of a tragic, but this absolutely made me laugh. I found this on BuzzFeed. Um, and their comment was, You're feeling all kinds of growing pains, and now your pants are too short for your body.
1: Uh-huh. So, what what they look like is a little pair of country chapels on each well, one stilts, like big bird long legs, which are slightly crooked, and also they've got the Built, like they're walking, in, like they're built on a median strip, like between what you say, a service road, service and, a road
0: and, a, and a highway. Yeah, hilarious. Um, like, like, are they I don't new know homes? if this was, <laughs> I, I can't tell you much about it. It was, it was literally on BuzzFeed, so I don't know the background to them. But um, oh, hey. yeah, a little Looks bit so of fun, fun for the day.
1: Yeah. Okay, so back to our five mistakes. And so 2021 was hot, 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 red hot property market. And whenever the market's hot, we see people doing a series of crazy things. As mm-hmm. we enter into 2022, I guess nobody's really expecting it to be quite as hot as 2021. However, you know, you can get hot markets. You can experience hot markets at any time, and and, and often there's uh, an area or a pocket that you might be buying in that might be hot where. You know, whereas elsewhere is quite Mm. calm. Starts to
0: quieten down.
1: Yeah, Yeah, You start to
0: see themes, don't you?
1: You do. But the fact is we see people making crazy mistakes all the time and we want you to avoid them. So we've got our top five crazy mistakes, silly things that people do in a hot market. And do you want to kick off another number one, Megan? Yeah,
0: and I think it's really important, Veronica. The reason we want to share this stuff is we want people to open their eyes and actually catch themselves in the moment going, oh, hang on, what am I, am I doing that? <laughs> yes. And it's not unusual. What we're saying is, These things are not unusual. This is actually quite common behaviour and how people react to difficult situations. So in this case, the difficult situation is a rapidly rising market. A lot of people have a fear of missing out, the old FOMO. So these are the things that we want you to catch yourself thinking or doing because your awareness is raised. And when your awareness is raised, you can be a lot more um, strategic in your thinking about how you do your home buying. So let's go into it. First one is that some people delay the decision to enter the market in hope that it will actually go down. Now, this is not unique to 1st home buyers. This is Uh -uh. not unique to home buyers either. It's it's unique to every buyer who thinks that they can time the market.
1: It's normal human reaction to a situation where you feel out of control. Let's face Mm -hmm. it, in a rising market, particularly a rapidly rising market, Nobody feels in control. No buyer feels in control. Mm-hmm. And when we don't feel in control, we want to try to control things. And if we think we're going to be in control of the timing, well, a, we are sorely, sorely uh, mistaken. Um, and b <laughs> b, it makes us feel better, even though we haven't bought a home. So at the end of the day, we always have to focus on what's our big goal here? Our big goal is to buy, A home, and if you've been listening to this podcast long enough, you will know that we don't just advise you to go and buy any old home. Mm, You've got to be careful. Not about getting
0: in. No, it's not about getting in at all costs. Yep. So I guess I guess the 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 flip side of that is, you know, we're saying people make the mistake of delaying entering the market in hope that it will go down. But the flip side is is that getting into or rushing into it just because you don't want to miss out, that's also the flip side of this mm. mistake. It's, 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 uh, it could almost be a category in and of itself, but we decided on five. And so it would have been, <laughs> that would six. be number six. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's stick to number one. So delaying entering the market and hope it will go down. You might get lucky, right? You might, because every sort of one of these little booms, it does have a peak and then things come off the boil a bit. Very rarely, unless you bought into a mining town in the yeah. early 2000s, you know, where basically they went on and on and on, fueled by investor activity. There's, there's There are some really highly risky areas where mm. absolutely mm. people have done their money. But most areas, particularly when you're buying a home for yourself and you're not being speculative and trying to sort of hot spot and, and beat, you know, time, join, market. well, join in and on some investor fad, right? But if you're buying a home in an area where there are lots of other people that also live there, you know, the markets will rise. And then when the peak hits, they'll come off the ball a little bit, but they very, very rarely go down to where they were, prices I'm talking about, when the boom started. And I think that's such a thing.
0: That is such a good point because we're not talking about what, for some people they're talking about maybe a six month or a 12 month delay they're not talking about a 10 year delay mm. um and and often those those um bottoming of markets if you like or when prices are at their lowest and the peaking of the market or when prices are at their highest there can be a lag of five to seven years sometimes between those peaks although we often see that they're getting shorter and shorter um and 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 you know taking x factors into account you know that we there's a whole module on this sort of stuff in in the course but <laughs> yes it, 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 t- you know, delaying entering the market by say six or 12 months or 18 months. Um, it's going to be very difficult to time a downturn and you'd actually have to wait longer for the downturn to take effect in pricing. And it's been our experience when we do analyse these sorts of resales of properties that do suffer downturn after market peaks is they're usually B&C grade properties and they're usually the first to suffer a downturn in in pricing Mm. because the push and the popularity or the demand for those B&C grade properties evaporates first. Whereas demand and portion and, and um, the scarcity that sits around A grade properties that that outlives market downturns, so it then almost creates a, a multi level market of downturn. It absolutely does. So I think that's
1: really important. Number one, you know, when you're ready, particularly as a first home buyer, because you think about it, you have saved your deposit. When you're ready you need to get active and look for the right property and get into the market with the right property so don't let fomo drive you that's number 6 <laughs>
0: but <laughs> it's, it's it's a flip side of number 1 <laughs> the flip side of
1: number 1 um don't let fomo drive you but but when you are ready to delay given how hard it is to save a deposit when the market is rapidly rising your deposit can become not enough again very quickly so yep. it's a reason to act you know, decisively and use the time while you're doing that, you know, all that saving and that hard work to do the your first Home Buyer Guide course, for goodness sake. Get yourself educated so mm-hmm. you can hit the road, hit the road, hit the road running. Yes, hit the you ground running. Start climbing running.
0: the ma- mountain. Start climbing the mountain start with intent. mapping out your pathway. <laughs> and that leads us into point two, which is actually taking too long to make a decision. And there's actually a couple of facets to this. It's mm-hmm. not just about... Making taking too long to make a decision to buy a property. There is a lot of work you have to do and a lot of preparation and a lot of things that you need to get behind you before you make a decision to actually, you know, commit yourself to buying a property. But then there's the decision to commit to an individual property once you're in that process of, of looking. And if you take too long in a rapidly moving market, Um, And we're talking about multiple, multiple buyers making multiple offers on properties when they first list. Now, their their auction campaigns might have a set period of time from the time that they list to the time that the, the auction is set. But in Brisbane, particularly at the moment, and we're sitting at the start of February 2022, in Brisbane, an auction campaign can be pulled at any point in time if the owner receives an offer that they are prepared to take. Now, usually that offer has to be cash unconditional and on auction terms and no calling off period. Uh, but I would not be thinking as a buyer or letting yourself think as a buyer that you have four weeks to make a decision about a property just because it's going to auction. Veronica, are you seeing that in Sydney too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so in Sydney, yes, you can. And, and in fact,
1: not only do uh, will agents at times sell a property early, before auction, we call mm. it prior to auction, to a buyer, that has made a good offer, um, it might be that you even have an auction scenario, an auction happening on the end of a telephone, um, mm. and you're not even seeing what the other buyers are, are offering, You and you buy under auction conditions. In Victoria, it is a bit different because in Victoria, they you can only buy um, under auction conditions if you're not actually at auction. So I think it's three days before or three days after the auction. Mm-hmm. And so their rules are a little bit tighter around that, but in Victoria, sorry, elsewhere, if an offer is made before the auction and the, uh, the vendor wants to take it, well, the agent's not going to, they're not going to give a cooling off period to a buyer put it mm. that way. They're not going to mm. ruin their auction campaign. And so you can do that. You can do that in, in Queensland. You don't even need to actually get your lawyer to advise you on what yep. you're waiving. But in yep. New South Wales, you do. It's different rules in different states as per usual. But the thing is, yeah, exactly what you're saying. If people think, oh, it's all right, I got till the 12th of February or the mm. 15th mm. of March or whatever to make my mind up, and then someone else who is more motivated, readier, has actually probably missed out on a few properties themselves and they act really fast, they catch you unawares. So taking too long to work out whether you do or don't want it. I mean, at the end of the day, if it's not right for you and you really are niggling, it's niggling at you and bothering you, don't go for it. No. But it, but if you just, you know, you are just not ready, and this is where doing your first home buyer course will absolutely set you up to get you ready, have done all the things that you need to do so that you can confidently move forward. Mm-hmm. And I always get recommend our clients with auction be ready to buy tomorrow if if you know or in two days time however long it's going to take us to get Mm. that due diligence done but you don't necessarily have to buy prior to auction you just have to be
0: ready ready Mm, yeah because certainly if the agent comes back to you and 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 this is you know this is not one of our mistakes but it is part of all the mistakes is it's often um a fallacy or a misconception i guess that an agent will come to you and say i have a really good offer that the owner will take do you want to put an offer forward? And sometimes people turn around and go, oh, they're just, they're pulling my leg. It's not real. Mm-hmm. There isn't another offer. You know, let's let's just not get involved in that whole thing. Well, look, at the moment, it's probably very, very true and probably multiple, multiple offers. I went to an auction on Saturday in a suburban area where the median house price is, is about 1.2 and there were 38 registered bidders on that property whoa it went for 1.801 um and it was active bidding 38 registered bidders
1: so that's 50 percent increase on what you expect it to go for wow Mm. so and look we've had that situation last year i remember counting 40 at one i mean that Mm. is unusual i used to say 20 was crazy so when he's doubling that you know that's just 20 people that
0: can be unconditional on Mm. an offer yeah you know, that, that's amazing. So you don't you don't want to be the person that says when you see the sold price come up on real estate dot I would have paid that. Mm. so so the the taking too long to make a decision it's such an important one. It's about being really well prepared to move forward if you have to make a decision and put your put your offer forward and having the confidence that you've done all the things that you need to and can do prior to making an offer if it has to be unconditional or on auction terms and conditions. So you don't Um, miss out if you could have bought it. Mm.
1: But part of that decision-making process is also deciding on what your walk away price is, Mm. you know, so that you're still making a decision even though somebody else might pay more. The very fact that you have actually made that decision Will actually help you rather than flipping around and go, Oh, I don't know. What should I pay? I don't know. Oh, okay, I'll just pay whatever. Which or is what some I can, I can do. afford
0: this much, therefore I'll just throw the kitchen sink at it. <laughs>
1: yes. We don't want you doing that. We want you being considered, making good decisions, but don't take too long to make them.
0: Yes. Number three, yeah. have your methods, methods right, right? Yeah. Have your process and your methods right. Number three, using grants to determine what you should buy. I think this is the biggest, big, Big, big mistake that we are seeing, not seeing, hearing, hearing mm. so often. Um, and then people looking for reassurance that what they've done is the right thing. And I really struggle with that, Veronica, because once the horse is bolted, there's no shutting the gate. Once you've bought it, you can't look for reassurance that you've done the right thing.
1: Oh, It's awful, actually. That, that's
0: interesting that you say that
1: because I have actually spoken to a few um, people recently that you know, it's years have gone by since they did that, but Mm -hmm. they still look for reassurance. And I'm like, you know, when you've got a situation and what we're talking about here is with all the government grants, most of the government grants, not all, most are heavily skewed towards you buying brand new or off the plan. Mm -hmm. And yet there is so much evidence to show that those two classes of properties are the most risky, the most likely to lose money in your time of ownership, Mm. right? So the first person that owns those properties is more likely to lose money than any other property buyer of any other type of residential property in this country. Mm. That is a massive warning call, right? And it's those specific types of properties, those very same types of properties that the governments are throwing money at you, right, to help you buy, to make you feel like you're getting onto the property ladder, but you're not.
0: And and if so, you if you go back to some of our early early episodes we talk a lot about why grants should not be the reason that you choose a certain type of, of property and and largely it's because grants are actually and particularly during the covid period they are about stimulating the construction the industry. Mm. Um, not necessarily supporting first-home buyers to get into a quality property. It was to get into any property but also stimulate the construction industry at the same time. Um, so it's so very important that we understand that just because a grant said doesn't make it a good property.
1: We've got an episode coming up, which is case studies uh, around people that have lost money um, buying this sort of property. And we, we, it's really a warning call. Um, the other thing, that we have um, coming up is i think we need to do a little episode on some of these deposit accelerators because mm. there's there's businesses coming in and startups coming into this space because they've recognized that there's a real issue with affordability mm. for housing in this country and that saving the deposit is the big, is the biggest challenge for a lot of first absolutely. home buyers absolutely and there's some solutions that are probably going to be fantastic mm-hmm. and there's others that are not and I've already spoken to somebody who's who's behind a startup that's got one that it, it also encourages that well, it's only available for people if they buy brand new or off the plan. Actually, mm. it's off the plan, not even brand new. So, so therefore, these are warning signs. Anything that makes you have to buy a, a certain type of brand new property, basically, or off the plan in order to qualify, run. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Number four. Think Very, very carefully. <laughs> run past. Okay, Don't this run is carefully. really this is this is so important. Okay, I mean, all of these are important, but mm. being too fussy or compromising on the wrong things. Now, you know, human nature is we often sit to, like there's a couple of different types of people, right? With with, with home buyers, we know this. We we've, we've spent twenty odd years working with with people who are buying their homes. And some people sit down with a spreadsheet that have um, forty-seven criteria on the spreadsheet, and this and those criteria have been rated in terms of of um, importance, weighted, <laughs> rated yes. and weighted in terms of their <laughs> yeah. importance. So yeah. their their life is ruled by this spreadsheet, and they are very very um, unable to uh, overlay reality. Uh, because the spreadsheet is defining their search criteria and their Compu- responses. Computer
1: says no. Computer says no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so if you're if you're too fussy and your spreadsheet has too many criteria on it then you're you're looking for the unicorn and we've spoken about the unicorn and or you're looking for the needle in the haystack and and a rapidly rising market is not the place that you can hold out for the perfect property Mm. nor is a general market because unless you build it yourself and you have an unlimited budget, even people who have unlimited budgets don't really always get what they want. There'll be something about the land or the neighbours or the, you know. Multi-million dollar budgets. They're always compromises. compromises. <laughs> always, always compromises. So if you if you are too fussy, then you actually end up almost m- forcing yourself into um, category one, which is delaying entering the market mm. because you're looking for something that isn't going to exist. But then on the flip side of things, if you aren't, if you're going to compromise on the wrong things, um, just because you are, you've missed out. You're desperate to get in. You're worried that prices are going to go past you. Um, your colleagues have already bought so you know it's time that you got on with it and just oh you're sick of it and the process and the agents and just get it off my plate that's potentially compromising on the wrong things just to get the deal across the line Mm. Um, giving up So
1: giving up giving in giving up that'll do
0: don't care just
1: buy it (laughs) Yeah, um, was it acting haste, living um repeating was it repenting leisure? Acting haste,
0: repent at leisure. <laughs> I've bungled that one up. No, it's not, not in my
1: it is really important to understand what your needs are and also understand what makes a good property. And and getting it clear as to the things that yes, you should be firm on. Don't buy main roads, right? Don't give that one up, right? But you know, like is the backyard a little bit slightly smaller than you really ideally mm-hmm. wanted? Is mm-hmm. does it have, you know, I don't know. It, it, there's there's lots of little really, is, has it been freshly painted and got a brand-new kitchen and you insisted on having a brand-new kitchen? You know, really? I mean, there's things that you can, can fix in properties. Fix that one. Yeah. 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 As opposed to, you know, and it's being able to see that as opposed mm-hmm. to get basically saying, oh, yes, I'll buy this rundown shed which has got termites all through it riddled with asbestos because <laughs> I've given up. And then...
0: And oh, the bedroom's too small to fit the queen size bed in. Yeah, you know oh. there are compromises that are okay, and there are compromises that aren't. I remember, I remember purchasing one property before I was in real estate, and uh, the I was I was absolutely you know thinking about having children and would that house work for young children. I was twenty four when I when I was looking at this place. You know, will this? I lived in that house for two years before I. Up upsized to the next one. I didn't have children until I was 36. So <laughs> yeah, get real. <laughs> My list of compromises were were wrong for, <laughs> for <that> property. <laughs>
1: yes. And that's that's a thing too. People say, don't compromise, you know, you gotta set your checklist and you got to stick to what what's important to you and all that sort of stuff, and don't don't give in and near yeah, your 48 things. And it's like, you know what, you, you could be running around with your checklist and you'd be doing it in 10 years and you still won't be getting a property.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, <clears throat> and your life stage would have changed and your needs would have changed and your list would have evolved. But if you're continually sticking to the list... And, and unable to compromise on it, then you're still not going to buy a property. So it's often people come to us with a very long list and by the time they've gone through three or four months of the journey, if, if it's taken that long to find a good place or for them to go through the journey of discovery, it might come down to four or five very key things that we've worked out absolutely this has to be in the mix and those other things, if we can somehow create or recreate those things, then we know that they're the things that we can compromise on. That is a bit of a journey. And sometimes you need a sounding board that helps you work through those things, particularly if you're a couple, because um, couples often don't realise what they do and don't want until they're actually confronted with making a decision about something. Um, you know, I didn't realise that you wanted to have a shed and tinker. You've never tinkered before. Well, I'd like to have a shed and I'd like to tinker. You've yeah, never <laughs> tinker. <laughs> oh, and you're filling yourself. That person won't tinker. <laughs>
1: But you know what's funny though, and I've often found this with clients, you know, they do, if they've been looking for long enough, what actually happens is those funny little differences, they become magnified, magnified. and they don't mm. actually focus on all the things they have in common about mm-hmm. the common ground. They do it actually, the distance, the differences mm. get magnified and then they start fighting and I've had people come into my office after a couple of years of looking, no kid, particularly yeah. in the last boom, and they'd be like, if eyes could shoot daggers at each other, like every time one opened their mouth, the other was like, you don't even know what you're talking about. It's sort of, it's really bad for your relationship to do this. It is.
0: <laughs> it is. Well, we often talk about in buyer's agency that um, a big part of our job is counselling. And it's, oh not, yeah. it's, you know, it's it's not necessarily marriage counselling. It's, it's property hunting counselling. Property therapy, we call property it in our business. Property yes. therapy. It's Ew. okay.
1: I know you feel like crying now. However, <laughs> and, and actually on that, you know what's interesting? I think a lot of people that are way too fussy, there's a lot of fear underneath all that. So talk about property therapy and counselling. It's sort of it's acknowledging that what you're about to embark on is enormously, mm. it's, it's mm. challenging. I mean, A, you're borrowing a huge amount of money. Mm. B, you've saved a huge amount of money that you're about
0: to basically hand
1: over to someone. Yeah. Um, you know, you so, don't just, do this
0: very often. No, most people don't do this very often in their life. So it's
1: it's completely natural that you would feel nervous. And if mm. you know, I mentioned earlier under under stressful situations, we seek to find control. A lot of this sort of having all these criteria that we don't let, let go of, often that is about control because we're fearful. And mm. so it's really about acknowledging that it is scary, you know, and the mm. way to basically reduce your fear is to do the process you learn how to do everything in the right order
0: and then you won't have so much fear because you know you covered everything off you have an element of control Mm, yep controlling your decision making certainly yeah Uh, all right so so i think that's a really important one and that that is absolutely true in any market regardless of whether it's rapidly rising or not um, but where there's a lack of supply, there's not many properties to choose from and there are a lot, there's a huge amount of demand that outstrips supply, which is a rapidly rising market because de- demand is pushing up prices. W- when you're in that situation and you are trying to find that needle in the haystack, that's where you actually have to sit back and take a very, very long, hard look and say, am I actually putting myself out of the market because the because of the decisions that I'm making because if you are, then you are the person who is causing yourself the problem, not the market. And people often say, oh, look, we just haven't seen what we want yet. Well, that's actually because you're setting the bar too high um, and it's not because the market isn't producing it because I'll guarantee you if you built a house, there would be things about that house that you didn't like because you hadn't anticipated. So you can't even cre- often create um, perfection. But can on the flip test side to of that. things- Done it twice with my own house that I've lived in, and there's been things I go, oh, why did I do that? (laughs) If only we could live in a 3D version of our renovation before we renovate for six months before we actually renovate. Yeah, because often it finds it takes that long. You've got to go through seasons to understand where. Mm. Anyway, we digress. Prop tech.
1: That's the next. You know, there's (laughs) got to be some clever app for that, surely.
0: (laughs) Uh, right, but of five. course, of course. Sorry, I just need to finish off that point, oh, and sorry. that is compromising on the wrong things. <laughs> that is very true. Absolutely, don't make sure that the things that you're compromising on are things that either can be fixed or live with, not that are going to affect your ability to um, enjoy, enjoy that house. Yeah, very much. Don't buy on a main road. Number
1: five <laughs> <laughs> ever. <laughs> Number five. Number five. Okay. Go, Veronica. That's the, that's the third time I've said it. Number five, <laughs> not understanding how to price a property in this market and either offering too much because you're fatigued. Tired. Get over and done with. Or constantly low-balling and missing out over and over again. And pricing a property is difficult at the best of times, yeah. but in a rising market, it's made additionally complicated by the fact that they rise weekly. So a month ago... Mm-hmm you know, particularly in the last year, I mean, Mm. in Sydney, there was one month where houses rose 4.2%, I think it was March last year.
0: 4.2% in one month. One month, yep. And that's just the median. That's that's not even individual houses. So Mm. if you separate an A grade from a C grade property within that median price range, you'd probably find that the A grade had risen much more than that 4.2%, I'd imagine. Potentially. So- if you haven't done our little free mini course, how to price a property, then go and do it. But
1: the thing that we need to, we need to upgrade it. I think we need to do a little pricing workshop to teach people how to actually index up or down. or down. Because I mean, to let's market. face it, we're mm-hmm. talking about a rising market here, but in a falling market, you need to be making sure you don't look at old, you know, recent sales and actually overpay. Okay. But you know, people give up because they don't really know. They haven't put themselves through the process of actually working out how to price a property. Mm. So they either do half the job and they won't index properly, or they'll um, off they'll basically just pluck a finger out. You know,
0: throw everything. You throw know. everything it. and you see people at auctions doing that, don't you, Veronica? I've mm-hmm. seen people just shrug their shoulders and throw everything they've got on the table, regardless of what the property's worth. And and in in normal markets, those people are called wood ducks by agents um, because a wood duck <laughs> is very rare. Uh, and and it's often said when when an extraordinary price is achieved, they're a wood duck. They're a person who's either missed out on something else. Or they've got a life event that's happening that is has it's put so much time pressure on them, they just don't care. They throw everything they've got at yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Watch out for pregnant couples at mm-hmm. auctions. Always mm-hmm. I hate it when I see a heavily pregnant women at an auction. Oh no, yep. they've got so much extra. Um
0: pressure you know, on, she imp- wants, to yeah. mess. he's under you know, pressure to get an outcome. There's a lot of emotion and that's the thing. There's two things that drive prices up at auctions. And if you've read Veronica's book. Um, Tell me what that's called again. It's called <laughs> Auction Ready. How ready. to, I don't even know what it is. It's how how, to, how to, to buy property at
1: auction even though you're scared shitless.
0: You'd think the amount of times that we've said that. <laughs> I would know it without actually, I wrote the thing.
1: That's exactly um, what it is. I just but said if you, it.
0: If you've read the book and and, and <laughs> listened to our podcast and, and and looked at the course, there are two things that drive prices up at auction. One is ego. So there's a person who absolutely does not want to miss out because they want to be the winner on the day. And that behaviour usually only shows itself during the auction. Mm. The other thing is emotion, and that is the person who has unpacked their furniture, their bags, and they have actually laid down on the bed in their mind and sat on the back deck with a cup of tea and, and a paper <laughs> on a sunday morning so those two things and it's really quite interesting if you if you're you know at all interested in human behavior go to go, go to some auctions and pick out the ego pick out the o- emotion and you will see the behaviors that pe- people exhibit so what does that mean it, it, it means that you know, you have to be in control of those two things at an auction in order to make sure that you're not the wood duck that ends up throwing the kitchen sink um, and everything that bank will give you. And plus begging mum, dad, and the neighbor for the the coins from out under the couch to top up the money that you can afford.
1: It's actually one of the things that that I really bang on. Whenever I've done interviews on on auctions, I do them all the time. And the the one thing that people get wrong is that they don't set their limit before they go to auction. And Mm. it's the same if you're negotiating for a property. So Mm. this this principle applies however you're buying. And that is you need to understand what the property's worth before you start negotiating. But not Mm. only that, you have to have established your walkaway price. So, you know, I know do take in the book, we take, I've got a whole chapter on how to do that, but also in the course, we teach you how to do that. Right. And it's really important because emotion is a part of it. Like, let's face it. You can't completely remove emotion, but you've got to recognize it and harness it and, put a lid on it. <laughs> and you've got
0: to put process and framework around it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And mm. if you've done that and you go to auction with a walkaway price that so you've actually gone through a process to arrive at, you don't feel silly because it's like not scientific. You don't feel foolish because, and then you don't feel blindsided because some other idiot who is foolish and silly has actually gone crazy. You know, mm. if they go crazy, you go, okay, I get it. I've actually done my process and I'm happy to walk away at that price rather yep. than getting drawn into it. Because I think it uh, must be worth it because that person just offered it, which does happen. I've heard people say that to me at auction. So <laughs> it's like, wow, that's phenomenal. <laughs> You're letting your competitor tell you what the property's tell you worth. What it's worth. And yeah. then people argue, oh, you know, but it must be worth it because that's what it got to at auction day. But I tell you what, if people were rational and and um, negotiating on some of these properties, there's no way they pay that.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, and it is it is what the auction process is about. It, it is about putting people under emotional pressure to make decisions in the heat of the moment, um, and 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 that is actually what the agent's job is, and the auctioneer's job is to achieve the highest price at the auction by putting that pressure on people, putting people in a competitive environment. Um, so if you if you've gone into that environment with a lot, with all of your work- homework done your limits set, your framework in place, you're in control of your decision-making, then you actually remove that pressure from yourself during the auction process itself. Um, and that's how you can stay in control.
1: Makes an enormous difference. So it doesn't mean you're always going to win the, the auction, no. right? But i tell you what, you're going to feel a hell of a lot better when you finally do. And you're going to be a, feel a hell of a lot better when you walk away.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> Absolutely. Look, we've walked away from auctions over a thousand dollars and Always, always found another property that was bought within the right price range that the clients have loved. There you go. There you go. So as long as you do your pricing well, now that's not lowballing. Lowballing is a waste of everybody's time. Yeah, it just really is. It's not a market. A ri- rapidly rising market is not a market that you can be smart about or or cheeky about your pricing because. All the agent will do is turn to the next five buyers beside you and say, well, how about you? What are you prepared to offer? Uh, And and, and that's not going to put you in favour at all. It is really important to have mutually beneficial, respectful relationships with agents because they are your conduit to the owner. And the owner is the one that makes the decision about what price they're going to sell the property for. Uh, and ultimately, whether that's you or not. So you know, all of those things, the mistakes, everything else, I think everything that underlines that is you still have to work really in a very interactive way with the agents through the process.
1: Absolutely. Well, there are top five mistakes that we see buyers making in a rapidly rising market. We hope that you will never make any of them.
0: <laughs> Reach out. Or you might you catch know. yourself in a moment and go, "Ooh, hang on, I got something to think about here.
1: That's it. <laughs> reach out if you've got any questions. You can, uh, you know, reach out via the website. We love your questions and uh, we're going to put together a new Q&A, another Q&A episode shortly. So if you've got any questions on this, perfect
0: forum for it. <laughs> Fabulous. In this episode, we've covered a very small part of our 10-step online course for 1st home buyers. If you would like to learn more about the process and how to buy without making a mistake, then head over to our website, www.homebuyeracademy.com.au. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. And if you like what you've heard today, please give us an iTunes review. Five stars would be wonderful. It will help others find us as well. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found this really useful. And if you
1: have, please share the love with others who you know are in the same boat. We'll be back next week with some more priceless stuff.